Hello everyone and welcome to Pop Goes the Girls, where we, two sisters born a decade apart, take a foray through our respective journeys through pop culture. I'm Daisy Kosh. And I'm Chelsea Davidson. This episode is not sponsored by Sun Chips, despite the fact that I will be eating these the entire episode. What flavor are these? French onion. Oh, French onion? Oh, that's okay. why we, well, I might that's not why we do podcasting them. and we don't talk to people face to face. I might not be eating the, these French onions. It's not the onion thing that bothers me. It's the bad breath, and you have a husband to kiss later. No, no, it's not. I don't. I truly don't care about my bad breath. I'm recovering from a cold, and I still truly believe that my breath is probably like a sewage pit right now. And on that lovely note, let's just recap what we will be talking about today. Each week, we will talk about a pop culture artifact that shaped us as well as a memorable character. We will also have a fan theory fight club. Hopefully a lot shorter than our first fan theory. If you tuned in, you know how long it was. <laughs> Where we argue the merits or detriments of some of the fan theories surrounding different pop culture items that we particularly like. And lastly, we will play a quick round of Twist the Sister, where one of us loves something the other hates, and we'll open it up to a poll for you, our lovely listeners, to decide which sister is right. Yes, and you know, these allegiances feel very, very, very personal. <laughs> so I will be looking for my fans out there. I I'm sure all one of them. Yes. And but I will have two just to witness. <laughs> Okay, so what's this week's pop culture artifact? This week's pop culture artifact is do, 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 Golden Girls. If I'd had the money, I could have been living in a swinging condo instead of with. I better not say anything till I've had my coffee. A slut and a moron. I'm sorry, it must be decaf. Thank you for being a friend and a sister. And a sister, yes. Yeah. Yes. A sister friend. Um, okay, so I Do you I want me to start off? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. so for me, when I watched Golden Girls... When I, did you first watch Golden Girls? Uh, I gotta be honest, from the age of about four to 15, it's all a blur. Because it all, it all feels like I was about eight. And I don't know if I was actually eight or if I was, I was 12 or four. So I'm just gonna say when I was young. Um, Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Mom had us watching it early, though, so I'd say maybe at the max I was probably about six. Okay. Probably about six. You shouldn't say us. Well... M Mom did well, not have I, us I, I was six. watching it early. I was six, and you were old. Yeah, I, I got to Golden Girls on a fluke. What I did was I was really into buying TV on DVD, especially for things that I'd never seen and before. And I'm still into it, despite the fact that we live yeah. in a streaming era. Yes. And... I came to Golden Girls because it was on ridiculously cheap at yeah. Walmart. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was $5 for the first season. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. Because there was no reruns for some reason. I never experienced a rerun Yeah, because of we Girls. used to watch TV where you'd get Roseanne, you'd get Friends, you'd get Will and Grace, all these. Yeah, the 90s, 80s, yeah. even some of the 70s sitcoms, Constantly, kind of in a marathon. They'd be a marathon. on a marathon in our house just because we had the TV on and that station dealt us a good hand. But Golden Girls <laughs> was not one of them. I mean, it's kind yeah. of had a resurgence as of late. Because they are the ladies from yeah. the 80s Which we'll, we'll, we'll that get are the best. Into yes. So I feel like Golden Girls is absolutely amazing, and the impact on me came really late in life, but I'm glad that it came when it came, because I would not have appreciated it as a kid. But now, I like, I totally understand the concept of, like, you know, you retire, or, or you know, you might become a widow, or something of that nature, and your life doesn't end. Like, it, that's not it. There's, there's a lot more going on. And Golden Girls really addressed that from, like, various angles, various... And it's not just being so a widow. Ways. It's not just being a widow. It's being divorced. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just you don't have yeah. like you, if you're not connected empty to nest. someone, empty nest. Yeah. If yeah. you're not connected to someone, it doesn't mean your life is over. Mm-hmm. And there's a because law. you got your ladies. There's there's actually a law. Sorry, I'm chomping away on this chip. So there is a law. By the way, these chips are good. I apologize. Uh, yeah, I told you. So this this law in Canada, I'm not sure if it's actually in our province, but anyway. There is a law that is actually called the Golden Girls Law, and is basically a law that protects older women and, and older men, I believe, as well, um, that decide to live together in groups after, you know, the typical family dynamic is no longer their their frame of reference. I argue that the Golden Girl rule should be the rule for everyone, because you've seen <laughs> how they're chilling in the Netherlands, having a great quality of life. And it's because they're all cohabitating. I'd love to have a roommate situation yes. for life and split the rent three ways and I have money for vacations. And it, and I'd be lovely. Gonna, like, I'm not looking at this from, like, a law, legal scholar's perspective because I, I did <laughs> not do the research for you. But I think that's amazing. And I think that's really, like, a huge impact, not just on me personally, but on, like, the world at large is is that's what people took out of it. It's, like, yeah. the power of cohabitation yeah. in your older age. I mean, that's true for everyone. But in your older age, in a sense of community beyond what people typically think. Like, yeah. For the senior yeah. community. Anyway, impact on your life. So, for me, I loved how it portrayed, like, female friendships and, like, um, struggles, but for the female friendship element, I love that people, like, girls can be friends with girls, and it's not going to be toxic, or it's not going to be catty, because mm-hmm. you have so many... You have We're so not going to... Hold on, hold on. It's not always going to be catty, because <laughs> they have some of the most killer slams I've yeah. ever seen in a yeah. series. Well, it's it's a it's female friendships based on love and mutual respect and understanding for each other. And sure, you could still call out your best friend or your sister or your mom or whoever is in this relationship with you. And you can call them out, you can tease them, you can do all of the things that you do in a friendship without being toxic. It's still a healthy relationship, it's a mm-hmm. healthy bond. They're good people, they're happy people, and they Love have each other. Supreme. They have each other. You know, yeah. husbands die, boyfriends vanish, you get divorced, but you still have your girlfriends to chill at home with and have yeah. cheesecake Love, in the middle of the night. Exactly. Love and friendship ultimately reign supreme. Like, like... Yeah. Um, companionate. Yeah. And I also love that the struggles are honest and it also helped kind of like aid in my perception of what female friendships could be, should be. And I modeled them after that. Like I have some really, I have some good girl friendships. I do now. I like my best friend I've been friends with since I was five. Yeah. And I feel like we're solid. Like I, I don't have any worries about that. And I feel like because I watched Golden Girls, I knew what... It's a good model. It's a good model. You know what you should do as a friend. You know, the whole song, you know, thank you for being a friend. You travel around the world and back again. (laughs) I would do it. I, okay, so I did not model my friendships after that, but I feel as I've gotten older, they've just automatically gone that way. So I feel on some unconscious level, or subconscious level... You learned healthy relationships, not necessarily just female ones. You just learned healthy relationships in general. Exactly. And I I think another big part of that show, when I was watching it at the first time I was watching it, which was probably in my teen years, I found that a great deal of comfort in knowing that because there's a lot, of, like, when you're in your teen years especially, everything is very volatile. You don't always have stability. Even if you're, like, even if everything else 
should on the outside look stable. Yeah. Inside, you're going if everything, to be If everything, if you're in the nuclear family, everything's going your way. Yeah. It's not always You perfect. still have to, like, you know, finish school, go through all of that, then you have to make a decision that you're basing the rest of your life on, and there's a lot of pressure associated with that, and you might have to work, and there's all sorts of things that you're, you're transitioning into. And a period of transition, any period of change is going to have a little bit of, like, emotional instability and a little bit of unpredictability. And I was very anxious about that. But Golden Girls, for whatever reason, I looked at that and because I've always felt to a certain degree that I'm just an old woman. We are both old women. <laughs> we, we are, I, we are, we were like 18 going on 80. Yeah. For most of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like watching that show made me relax and be like okay i'm gonna be fine yeah like, even you're if, not even crazy if it for feeling shit, the way you do i'm gonna be fine you're not crazy for feeling the way you do they feel that way too everything will be okay yeah and i think that was what i got mostly out of it was it's always just a sense of like everything's gonna be fine and if not there's cheesecake yeah that was yeah that was the moral story. yeah well it was always funny when they were like i've got to go on a diet but they're still you know having cheesecake at 3 a.m because they can't sleep or they're dealing with a problem that like week. me right now yeah. i'm i am on a, a, a healthy kick and yet i'm eating fresh <laughs> French onion sun chips. And everything's gonna be okay. Hey, they are baked. They are not, you know, fried up. It is better than Again, the not sponsored by sun chips, but thank you, representative, <laughs> yeah. for that. We will also take Harvest Cheddar, anything else you'd like to send our way. <laughs> but yeah, I loved the hilarious dialogue that I thought very much shaped who I was because I had a teacher when I was in kindergarten. You're creepy. You know what? That's had, not a lie. I had a five, uh, like when I was five and you do, you do parent-teacher interviews, I remember my teacher, Miss McGee, Shout out to Miss McGee, awesome teacher, so fun. My kindergarten teacher had the parent-teacher interview with mom and dad, and mom came back and she said to me that she made her laugh because Miss McGee had said to her, she gets me, and I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, she said to me that she'll say something sarcastic in front of the class, thinking that none of them would get it. Like the kids adult, would. mature sarcasm yes, sort of thing. Yes, very, yeah. very quippy like witty stuff a very dorothy I, sort of statement i would be laughing my ass off there like tipping over before nap time thinking it was hilarious and yeah. she was like this kid gets me yeah and i remember that was like the highlight of the parent teacher interview for my mom and for me because she was like you're smart she yeah. can see that you're smart you're like a golden girl yeah and okay. i think that's very much reflected in who my favorites are because i do love dorothy i do love who Sophia. are you though i am dorothy you're dorothy I, and i feel like i love dorothy okay. because i am her it's kind of like looking in a mirror because i am that person that's just like you know hit you up the side of the head don't be an idiot i have a hard time selecting i i know who i I'm feel not. like you know what's weird for me i feel like you have Every in, single one of them. In moments, you have the, like... For me, you're more Rose than anyone else, but not the dumb, like, the ditzy part of Rose. The sweet... The sweet, a bit naive, like, fun-loving. Thank you. But naive <laughs> in a good way, not, like, stupid naive. No, the, like, the, the idealistic yes, part. Yes, idealistic. Yeah. You know, things are gonna be okay. Lovey-dovey, fluffy parts of Rose yeah. are me. Then you have... We, as Powerpuff Girls, I am Buttercup, you are Bubbles. <laughs> Sure, I cannot. I cannot. We need I a can't remember the three of them. We I need can't remember which one's which. So. You're blue. Sure. I'm green. We need a pink. No, I felt I was pink. Okay, whatever. You are a little, but it's it doesn't matter. Okay, we're getting distracted. You're, you're getting off the topic. Sorry, Golden is, girls, not Powerpuff I, girls. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, the hilarious dialogue that shaped how we. I'm still. I'm. So, you're not on the same topic as me. Which Golden Girl am I, I? I told you. I think you're a little bit of Rose. But you and also have, who? but you have like a bit of the sarcasm of Dorothy and some of like, and some of the like cold, like 
slam the hammer down of Sophia like mixed in. I feel like I have any Blanche in me. Well, I feel like sometimes when you say you're old, I hear Blanche in you because you're because you're the kind of person that the would narcissism. Do what she does. What I have she the does. narcissism of of you, like you would Blanche. Do, you would do what Blanche uh, does when she goes, oh my god, and she like lays I down am with the beautiful. mirror. Beautiful. She lays down with the mirror and she goes, I'm gorgeous, and then yeah. she lays together and she goes, oh my god, and yeah, then she sees yeah, that her don't face drips forward. Don't look and down. And they all say yes. You always lie down when you're with the man. You do not get on top yeah. anymore. But when then you're the boobs go sideways. Yeah, she goes sideways. Yeah, it's east west or face falls forward yeah it's a parting of the seas with your with your cleavage that's for sure <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah no, you're a little so you're like a little mix of, of all of them what do you think i am i personally think i'm dorothy you're dorothy i feel like i'm dorothy 100%. with a little bit of sophia but no, mostly dorothy you have no sophia i think you are 100 percent dorothy <laughs> because i feel like you would be the response to sophia yeah like you would never be what sophia was saying in the initial you would be dorothy's retort back that like yeah. that's the slap back in, yeah I'm used to being that person whenever I was having an argument anyway, so I I feel like it's just, like, fed into me being her. So it's defensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a defensive wit. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently I am all of them. Yeah, you're a little sprinkle of each. Yes, exactly. Well, and I'll take that. You're a mosaic of the golden girls. I'm very balanced, darling. Yeah. I hold the mosaic that is you. (laughs) Yes. All right, so next topic. Character of the week. I feel like we really just talked about four characters, but... Go on. What is your character of the week? No, you you say the character of the week. It's, Juno. Yes, Juno, Juno McGuff. You're mad. Why are you mad? I'm not. I'm in a great mood. I mean, despite the fact that well, I'm in a fat suit that I can't take off. Juno McGuff, one of the most quotable teenagers. I'm sorry. I'm on my hamburger phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I literally answer the phone. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo. We do. That is how we answer the phone. When yeah. you call me, that is my response. And when I've called you, you have done that. Otherwise, yeah. you're just like, sup, which yeah. is interesting. What's up, home skillet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, nobody... Like, that no ain't teenager. no etch sketch Yeah. <laughs> that, what, what is that? That's that, a- that ain't no etch sketch This is one doodle that can't be undid, home skillet. Yes, and then when she's trying to shake her yeah. pregnancy test. Yeah. So, okay. A little bit of backstory. Juno McGuff is the titular character of the movie Juno. Awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, very much worth the watch. Yeah, it usually does goes under the radar, because I knew so many people that had no clue what the hell I was very talking indie, about. Very yes. indie. Very Filmed in Canada, by the way. Yes. Yeah. We do have Canadian representation as well. You yes. have Elliot Page. Patriot Who at the time it. was Ellen Page. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Cera. Isn't he Canadian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Sir. I feel like Canadian. I feel like just for today we can give J.K. Simmons honorary Canadian citizenship because he's <laughs> such an awesome guy. <laughs> We're just going to give it to him. Yeah, he gets honorary. He's a Canadian citizen. Just for us. Alert the government. And just for today. Mm-hmm. Um, Temporary pass. But yeah, so story follows Juno, who is, at the very beginning, it goes... She's a pregnant teenager. Yes. But she's a pregnant just teen- cut to the chase. She is a pregnant teenager, but it is not the typical pregnant teenager storyline. She's not particularly, you know, like the, the way she's you not children- with She's not with the father anymore. You know, usually when you see, hear, like, the stories of a, of a teen pregnancy... A lot of it is painted on, like, oh, the girl was, you know, on the wrong side of the tracks, or she she did something wrong, or she's bad, or she's she dresses scandalously, or something to that yeah. effect. And None of see, that is true If you true see Juno, she's rocking a graphic tee with three hoodies over top and a pair yeah. of jeans. Yeah. She is the, the most covered-up teen you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. And I watched it recently, so I can say that for certain. I've never seen a kid wear that many shirts over top of one another. <laughs> it's insane. It is. 
but anyway, yeah, um, she is she is an interesting character because she she definitely subverts the the typical stereotype. She is not a realistic character, I would say, only because of the very quotable dialogue. The thing that you kind of, if you're the, a fan the of the thing, film, the thing that makes the movie awesome is the dialogue. But at the same time, it, it is also what stops her from being the person you yeah. know. You don't. You know. You're not going to meet this person in real life. Yeah, you know a Juno and like. Like, you know They're a not version of Juno. They're you never know, as you, eloquent. You know a version of Juno. Juno is, like, basically all the quips that you think you'd have in the moment. The person you're surprised accidentally got pregnant. Yeah. That is who she would That be. is who Juno is. But yeah, Juno gets pregnant by a guy that she really is in love with, Polly Bleeker, Michael Sarah. But she's smart enough that she she does something about she, it. Don't go yeah. into the details, but she decides to, to do something about it. And not in your She tries typical... different methods as well. She is going to go one way, changes her mind, yeah. goes another, and it She's leads resourceful to, for it her leads age. to a whole roller coaster of other things happening that sets the story in motion. Yeah. Or at least it feels that way for me. Uh, uh, I don't want to say my spoiler because I feel like someone will see the movie and be like, why'd you ruin that for me? Yeah, Rosie? don't don't give a spoiler because I feel like there this are movie char- is worth the watch. I will if you say have that there are characters it. in it. That when you see them in it, you think you're gonna love them, and you're surprised how much you hate them by yes. the end of the movie. But I will say, J.K. Simmons is one of those people that he's barely in it, but for me, he really stands out. Especially the scene where she plays her father. The, yes, J.K. Simmons father. is her dad in it. Like I, I feel like you feel one way when she initially sits them down and tells them she's pregnant. You feel one yeah. way about him, and then at the end when she is talking to him about. She just wants to know that humanity will be okay and that people yeah. can love each other. One of the and greatest he, speeches in the movie, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he is a great dad. He's a great parent. And yeah. so is Allison Janey, who is her stepmom in it. Yeah. They're both great Very parents. supportive parental figures. And but they all, they're supportive, but it's not like they're blind. Like, if she's doing something stupid, they're like, why are you doing They have that initial moment of judgment. And I mean, if, I feel like it's very condensed, because in reality, I feel like there'd be a lot more yelling in this situation. Yeah, well, she says, but, it would be freaking sweet if no one hit me or yelled at me right yeah. now. Because she's like, I've got heartburn that's radiating my kneecaps. Yeah, but it but it is a dress. Like, they're yeah. just like, I didn't think, I thought you were the girl who knew, knew it's how a to dr- say when. It's a dress that they're upset because of how they also tell yeah. each other how they feel once she leaves the room as well. Yeah. Because she says, I think she was a dummy about it, which is yeah. something that she said to him, but she's not going to say it to her because she knows that is not what she needs. But they very quickly move into the, like, practical yes. role of, like, okay, well, we're going to have to address this. No, also, this Jenny is not the character. Also, we're Jenny not talking about the movie. We're getting distracted yes. by the parents. Juno herself as a character, why did she have an impact on you? For me, she's 100% authentic. Like, she is exactly... I disagree, but I I feel like she will say everything that she says or does, no matter what the situation, but I do think, to a certain extent, that authenticity alters, because like anyone else that you know, people change how they react and how they behave when they're around certain people. And it's seen in the movie. When she goes to see Michael Sarah, she's in her jeans, but when she goes to see... The Lorries. Yeah, the Lorries. Isn't that their last name? Okay. I might have to... Mike and Slight Vanessa. spoiler, she decides to, to give up her child for adoption and communicates with adoptive parents during the pregnancy beforehand. Yeah. And their names apparently are the Lorries, which I, think I, d- I did not know that. I couldn't remember it's, that part. It's, it's Mark and Vanessa Lorries. Yeah. It? By the way, Vanessa, love her. Yeah. I totally love that character from the get-go. See, for me, it's the opposite. I feel like Vanessa was someone that was so cold at the start, and by the end of it, you're like, this is such a warm Still human being. Still yeah. loved her. Could I, could I feel it? Are you kidding? God, at school, everyone's just like, grabbing my belly all the time. It's crazy. But, yeah, I'm a legend, you know? They call me the cautionary whale. 
I can't feel anything. It's not moving for me. You should try talking to it, because like supposedly they can hear you, even though it's all like ten thousand leagues under the sea. But you were Jennifer Garner, so I it, did. It I'm so highly biased. Yeah, you are. You are in love with Jennifer Garner, okay. so it makes perfect sense. I don't think she's realistic. Hold on, I wasn't done with what I'm I was sorry. saying. I'm sorry. I do think that she is authentic to who she is, and she will say what she thinks, and she is all these things. But I do think there's a certain level to the authenticity because I feel like you can be authentic, but you can still alter your behavior depending on who you're around. Because if you go oh, to yeah. a situation, like, with them, they are upper That's class. Human. That's normal. They seem upper class, and she changes. She puts on a skirt. She'll put on lip balm <laughs> to go see them, but she'll wipe that off when she goes sees Bleaker, who's her friend and who she yeah. trusts. Yeah. And who sees her as a rainbow of You know beauty. your audience. You know your yeah. audience. Yeah. And I feel like she can be authentic and also adjust for a situation because that's how people are. That is probably the are. most authentic she is, though. When you say she put on a skirt, we do not mean she dressed in, like, a blazer and a and a nice... She literally wears the same clothes and puts a skirt over top of a pair of jeans. Yes, and that's her Jeans that have up. a rubber band in the Which front I of them. Which I think is authentic for a teenage experience. When, when a parent says to you, come on, you have to, like, dress up a little bit, like, put something else on. You this put on a dress, level. you put on a skirt, you, you know, you put on a little lip balm, you do something to look a little better than plain you Jane. You think you're dressed up, but nobody else in the room yeah. feels that way. Yeah, and yeah. I also think that she goes on her own journey of growth, which I love mm -hmm. throughout the movie. She loves her family and friends and values their opinions, but she also knows who she is. She knows what she wants and what she needs, and, like, it, it kind of is part of her journey, because mm -hmm. she initially thinks she feels one way, and by the end of it, she's another. Yeah. But I think that's important to how the story is anyway, because the story follows a year. It's yeah. the fall, winter, spring, summer. Yeah. And it, you see a whole transition to not just her character, but other characters in that time. Yeah. And I feel like people tend to idolize um, who, uh, like, color uh, or characters that don't let other people down and, you know, are not flawed. And people idolize people that are They're always perfect. at the top of their game. Yeah. But I feel like she is more of an idol and an icon. Because, she's never at the top of the because game. Because she's always in the middle. She is yeah. never at her best and she is never at her Which worst. Which is why she's I just like always. Her. She's just, she's living life. She's yeah. trying her best. Why I like her is, is for that ex exactly what you just said. The roller coaster that she has because she, you know, things are not going well when we very first see Keep in she's... mind, you have to add hormones to the mix. She yes. is pregnant. So she's feeling as a roller coaster. in an extreme way. Yeah, she definitely has a roller coaster. It, it, like she does, she has, I don't even know how to, I don't want to go into all the details, but it is because truly a roller coaster. Because we'll ruin the movie. We'll ruin the movie, yeah. But she has ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs all the way through the movie, the way a good movie should. And... Until until she reaches the end and has her own new sense of normalcy. But I feel like the same reason why I love the Golden Girls is exactly why I love Juno. And that is because no matter what happens, because things do get a little bit better and then they immediately seem to get a little bit worse. I find that I watched it and I felt like no matter what the hell happens, because I watched it as a teenager, so I think I was about 16 she when was it came supported. out. Um, no, no, not supported. Just oh. it worked out. Things, yeah, things, things, things were going to be okay. She worked out, and it worked out in a realistic way. Yeah. In the sense that this could really potentially happen to someone, and this could really be the outcome. Yeah. And I really appreciated as well with that, that, um, like, not only is it true, there are ups and downs in the thing, and her character herself, like, she literally, she, when she goes into that adoption, what she wants out of it is put this baby in a nuclear family because she comes from a broken home. 
she has a mom that lives in Arizona, and she lives with her dad. Well, that's true. And she wants she wants that nuclear family for this baby. She wants things to be perfect. This is not a big part of the story, but yes. But if she you're, if she you wants it, that, and yeah. she puts her needs aside by the end of that movie and does what's best for the people that she knows and not just a hypothetical future for her child. And I mm -hmm. think that is also what makes her really awesome. Yeah. Because she could have easily turned around and said, you know what, I'm going to change my mind because this isn't going the way I wanted. Because some teacher, some teenagers can be selfish like that and be like, this is my kid. Teenagers can be selfish? What? Some Breaking news! Some teenagers can be <laughs> selfish like that and decide, I'm not happy with this situation, so I'm going to jump ship and do something else. Especially with how things are nowadays, people feel like there's always options. But she didn't do that. She stuck with what she felt was right, and then she weighed her options and stuck with it. And I think it turned out better for everyone. Okay. Because that dysfunction is what's going to make everything stronger in the end. Okay. I, I hate to say this, but lay it on me. What is your fan club? Fan theory fight club for the oh, week? Oh, sorry. I can't even get it right. I'm just so terrified right now. Yeah. Please tell me it is a short one, because I could not give less of a crap about Pixar. Well, <laughs> Pixar was Wait. long. This is about Last the, week. This is about a about third Pixar. of the size, I swear. Dorothy is the Wicked Witch of the East. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Who, me? I'm not a witch at all. I'm Dorothy Gale from Kansas. Oh. Well, is that the witch? Oh, Toto? Toto's my dog. <laughs> well, I'm a little muddled. The munchkins call me because a new witch has just dropped a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. And there's the house, and here you are, and that's all that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. Ooh, I like this. That one. This theory was created, I think, on Reddit initially, but people have kind of contributed. <laughs> of course, it did. Of, it, like all <laughs> conspiracies, it started on Reddit. So all basically, right. the theory is based on the observation that in Oz, Dorothy meets an alternative version of several real life characters, um, but never an alternative version of herself. And that is because the house falls on the witch at the start, and that was the version of her. Which is why the shoes and which the is shoes. why yeah. which is why the shoes transfer to her. She gets the so shoes. So anyway, so you know that there's more than one witch in Oz anyway, because you've got the wicked witch of the east who's killed at the start, and you also have uh Glinda, you have the Wicked Witch of the West. So the And the Wicked theory, Witch of the West hates her too, which the Wicked Witch of the West would hate the Wicked Witch of the East. Because, yeah. I mean just They're polar opposites, literally. Yeah. So But not polar, because it would be the good witch of the Anyway, it doesn't no, matter. No, polar as in, like, west and east. Yeah, so anyway, anyway she hates Anyway, it. and the theory basically, basically argues that Dorothy isn't dreaming like she thinks she is when she's like, oh, I had a dream and you were in and you and you. It argues that she wasn't dreaming but instead was sent to an alternate reality where she encounters the doppelgangers of her loved ones. But because she never meets her own double, the theory claims that she is, in fact, the witch that she killed at the start. You said that already. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, I'm trying to get us back on track. So... <laughs> The Wicked Witch of the East is crushed by your house, like I said, when she crash lands in Munchkinland. And this, the theory says something like, one copy is drawn to destruction in order to avoid paradoxes, basically. So the only- You can stop right now. Like, I truly believe this theory works. Hold on. I'm already sold. There are pros and cons to it, though. Are you sold? 
I I have my thoughts. I feel like it could happen, but there's also things that I'm like, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe this just happens to be a coincidence. Anyway, I'm getting okay. to it. Show me your rebuttal. So because I don't want to hear Holy, anymore. <laughs> hold on. Only the Wicked Witch of the East legs are I seen, as you know. On. And she's got black and white stockings. This leads into my thoughts. She's got black and white stockings, red ruby slippers. Yeah, I remember And conveniently, that. these slippers fit Dorothy. But at the same time, people think it could also be a coincidence that they just happen to fit her feet, considering they're magical goddamn shoes. They could fit whoever fits them. You know, get Andre Bad the Giant point. in here and they could fit. Bad point. Anyway, so the whole theory, she replaces her evil counterpart. So in the Wizard of Oz sequels and spinoffs from it, they also suggest that Oz is not a dream, which supports this theory. Because you have the idea of Dorothy, who has just run away from home, she's crushing the evil version of herself, and that can be perceived as a metaphor for her regretting her actions when she ran away during a storm, basically. Okay. And... Um, in Sam Raimi's prequel, Oz the Great and Powerful, younger Glinda and Annie... Is, wait, hold on. Is that the one with Mila Kunis? Yes. I didn't like that one. I felt mediocre it, it, about the whole thing. It was thing. kind of... Eh. I feel like it could have gone a lot faster than it did. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been like a short movie. Very unmemorable. Anyway, go on. Anyway, so in Sam Raimi's prequel of Oz the Great and Powerful, younger Glinda and Annie, who is the future mother of Dorothy, mm-hmm. they are both played by Michelle Williams, which implies they are doppelgangers. Which supports this theory. However, Dorothy and the Wicked Witch, sharing the same shoes as I said, is a coincidence. That is a con to, like, not supporting it. So that's what sold me. Hold on. Furthermore, the three witches are sisters. They're supposed to be sisters in Oz. But Dorothy is said to have no siblings in the story. So how can that be her doppelganger? Wait, what do you mean Dorothy's said to have no siblings in the story? Like, in in Kansas, when she's chilling in Kansas... She's an only child. Well, maybe they but don't then, know. Maybe she's adopted. But, but and then in the alternate... Hold on. But then in the alternate reality, Glinda, with Witch of the East, and West, they're supposed to be all sisters. Anyway, and the other thing is that the theory admits that her guardians, her aunt and uncle, are not seen as doppelgangers. So maybe... What's going on with that? Why don't you see them if you're seeing all the others, right? Auntie M. Yeah. She's never in it? I never noticed the that. Uncle it's all the farmhands. Neither it's of them farm are hands. in it. The farmhands who she's close to are in it, but the aunt and uncle are not. Um, and the theory also complicates not only the parental and sister dynamics, because you don't know They're where monkeys. the overlap They're is. They're monkeys. Yeah, but, <laughs> but also there's an issue with the fortune teller, who's Professor Marvel, and the wizard. This discredits it because the wizard would be Marvel's Oz counterpart, were it not for the fact that he was originally from Kansas. Because the wizard says he's from Kansas, and he gets in the hot air balloon and says he's flying home. Okay. Which would mean he's literally traveled with her, even though he didn't travel with her. It makes no sense. Okay. Um, w- uh, this exception to the, go- the doppelganger th- thing... I, I like this theory, and now you're just trying to... Hold on. And that's kind of the, the calm part of it. So now you've heard both sides of it. Anymore. My thoughts on it. <laughs> I think... I could easily believe this is true. I agree with you. I genuinely think this could happen. I do think that there is a couple things that are like, huh, intrigue. But I also think that the black and white stockings and the red slippers are an additional reference of her leaving her black and white, literally black and white, for the Technicolor world of Oz. Because her legs literally shrivel away, and she gets red shoes. And she's in the world of color all of a sudden. Mm. Um, I think it tr- like it's a transition from her black and white life to the new Technicolor world, and it's a symbol of the portal between the two. The transitioning okay. of the shoes allows her to stay. Okay. And I also say, who's to say she has no siblings? 
Yeah, I just because I think her, she's adopted. Her, her mom is dead. She's hold got on. Auntie M. Hold on, her and mom an uncle. is dead. She has no mom and dad. Her, in it. Hold on, so how her mom and know? dad are dead. What's to say her siblings didn't die when her parents died? This is a valid point. Exactly. She might not be an only child. Yeah. She might just not have siblings talked about because they're dead as hell and they don't want to discuss so it. So I think I feel like we've completely agreed. This is like the second week running that we are in a hundred percent agreement or pretty much. 100%. I have one other thing. I'm sorry. Oh, no. But the theory could be incorrect. This was the one thing that made me question it, because the theory could be incorrect about one version of her replacing the other to avoid the paradoxes, but it could also be simply unfortunate that one version has been lost due to the other one crash landing. Like, she could have easily seen her doppelganger had she not landed the house on her ass. Like, she could have, like, been like, let's go a little to the left, and then she'd be totally fine and see herself. I feel like it's a bit coincidental to connect the two instantly because you don't see her. Well, that's but that's, at the same time, I do. Theory. I do. Be- I like do. I do believe in the rest of it though. I feel like she could have siblings; they just aren't mentioned. Mm-hmm. The fact that she doesn't see her aunt and uncle, she doesn't like them that much right now. Anyway, of course, she's not going to see them. <laughs> All right, fair enough. They're in a different part of Oz. Okay. All right. Well, I I say I'm a hundred percent on board with this theory. I I can. I could look past the rebuttals as just simple, simple inconveniences to yeah. the story. I'm about 90% on because I believe the rebuttals are valid, but yeah. I'm 90% on board. I okay. We agree. I agree with this fan theory. I think it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool to think that, you know, instead of it being her hitting her head and going to sleep for a bit, <laughs> she went to an alternate universe, and this is 1939. That is forward thinking. Okay. They were there before Marvel was. Let's do all the quantum mania. You know, let's go into all of it. Oh my god. But yeah, I, I like it. I support it. <laughs> okay. I'm on board. And for Twist the Sister this week, instead oh, of it being no. me, I know you didn't agree with this being the Twist the Sister this week. It will be another one that you have to argue, but I don't wanna argue anymore. But you don't I, you don't ever relent. Hold on. There are there are merits to this, so I'm going to be a little lighter than I was with Seinfeld because I really don't like Seinfeld that much. Yes, last week this, Seinfeld was a total bust. Yes, in terms of of you, you winning yeah, that argument wasn't going to happen. Um, but this week is almost famous. I mean, you're too sweet for rock and roll. Sweet? Where do you get off? Where do you get sweet? I am dark and mysterious and pissed off. And I could be very dangerous to all of you. I am not sweet. And you should know that about me. I am the enemy. Which is one of my favorite movies. Yes, it is one of your favorite movies. Okay. So, I feel like you you don't hate Almost Famous like you said. I don't hate it. So, I'm just going to outline why it's awesome. I, it is also, by the way, an Oscar-nominated it's movie. It's Oscar-winning, isn't it? Uh, it didn't win an Oscar? I think it won. Okay. It might have won for sound editing, if nothing else. Costumes. <laughs> so, so potential Oscar winner, which which will if be nothing else, next nominated. week. Well, next week because the Oscars next are coming up. Next week is Oscars week. We will do an Oscars edition next yes. week. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Focus. Focus. Almost famous. This is why I never win this. I, I need to focus. So, almost famous is a movie. Yeah, that's the that... problem with you not winning this. It's your lack of focus. Almost famous <laughs> is a fantastic movie. That, just for a little bit of a recap for anyone who doesn't know what it's about, it's a young boy who is very socially awkward and isolated for a variety of reasons, which the the movie does address, and he discovers through his sister's, his now absent sister's influence, um, rock music, and gets really into it and decides that he wants to become a rock journalist and goes on a journey to do so 
for an up-and-coming band and then the story kind of goes from there I'm not gonna go into too much detail but but that is in essence the story and it it is very much a story that is centered on fandom and it is set in like a 1970s rock era it feels very Fleetwood Mac yeah CCR like very like yeah and I mean they have and it is based on a real they band. have like it is based on a real band no, it's not no, yes it's... it is it's based on the events of a real band I can't remember what the band's name was But the band is not like named in the movie no it's... no it is yeah. but like the, the events that occur are based on stuff that did happen to a band I feel like you're arguing this for me but thank you but I don't no, just so <laughs> so I do my research too even when I don't like stuff that so, much but my point is that even though it is centered on 1970s, and there is a reason why it is the 1970s and a rock band and such, which I'll get into in a second, but it is centered on fandom. And I feel like anybody who's been a fan of anything, and so, you're always a fan of something. Nobody lives in like a passionless existence. Yeah. There's always something that they're going to be fanatical about, yeah. whether or not it's 70s rock music. Yeah. You can understand the level of passion that motivates this character. And I, I understand it. I mean, I feel like the impact of this movie was really profound because I went into entertainment journalism and really yeah. like I became an entertainment editor because to a certain extent this movie had a very large influence on me during my teen years yeah so it is it is very formative in who you are because you yeah. love we both love the entertainment industry but hello podcast um but, but anybody who's had a passion yeah if you have a passion for something it leads you down a certain yeah. path whether it's politics sports yeah woodworking bird yeah. watching whatever yeah. it is it leads to other things so you can relate to this movie even if you don't like the thing that he likes yeah you'll, you'll feel the universe universal kind of well th th it's, feeling there's other like themes and elements of it that make it relatable like yeah um the beginning, his whole, like, family situation with Frances McDormand being the person that is, like, super religious and super... She's not religious. No, she's not super religious. Sorry. Um, I'm thinking about the Christmas thing that she did on the window. No, she's, but, um, she's super she's, strict. Yeah, she's strict, and she believes in her way and no one else's way, yeah. basically. She, she's a teacher or... Prof she's, she's professor, a, She's a professor. She also doesn't believe in telling her son his real age, yes. which I always find is one of the funniest scenes in it. Um, yeah. But her... Her being strict really causes a whole wave of other things to happen because yeah. with Zoe Deschanel, who is his older sister, leaving, that kind of gets him like I yeah it's into, the influence of a sister that yeah, kind of gets him into the it's because the she was so hard on her that she's able to influence him into what he wants yeah. later down the line. Yeah, it's like a domino effect of her strict parenting, and yeah. I think that's true when you are in a strict household or you feel like your parent is on you all the time. You, you rebel in you some You rebel form. in some way, whether it be setting yeah. a house on fire or listening to rock music. Yeah, it's gonna be... It's really it depending on if you're... It's depending <laughs> on if you're an arsonist or just into a different kind of music. Or just a kid, yeah. You know? Which is my next point. Youth culture. We've all been young. Yeah. That's another reason why this just movie like works. Just like fun saying. We have all <laughs> been young at some point. So, there is a certain... Ex extent of youth culture you will find yourself at some point in one of the characters whether it, not, it might not be the main character maybe you were a party going person where he really isn't yeah but there's other characters in the movie you will feel the sense of youth culture whether you're on the outside of it or part of the in group you will still feel that which is another reason why it works really well because it, it feels accurate no matter what time period you were born yeah quotable as hell I mean, this movie... See, I struggle to quote it because I didn't like it as much, oh. but there are, there are things it in is it so that I did, good. there are things that I liked about it, and there's things that I was like, this shouldn't be The truth just sounds different. Like, yeah. uh, there's so many things that... That you could quote. I could quote. I, I'm not gonna go on endlessly about yeah. it. I mean, uh, 
I, I'm not going to go on and on and on about it because I, there are so many things. It's an extremely quotable movie. Everybody, at least at one point in the movie, will have a line. And that line will be amazing. Yeah. I, I truly, everyone. I, there's nobody I, that has, like, for me they're, personally, they're the one who gives Even everything. though the story isn't about her, I feel like Kate Hudson was really the focal point of the movie. Because I disagree. She's the poster. She's not the focal point. I, I do think she's the focal point. She's and a motivator. Well, it's Drives not just that. She is connected to every person in that movie. She No, like, she's not. She's not connected yeah, to Frances McDormand. Yes, she is. How is she connected because to Frances McDormand? Because she sets him on a path. Like, you know, it doesn't no, matter. she's connected then to him, not to her. But yes, are you telling she me is, because she's not like six degrees to Kevin? Yeah, we're Bacon not. We're not doing her? six degrees. This I mean is, directly. You, you're connected. like I want one degree, not six. Yeah. Okay, I'm I sorry. I shouldn't argue two. with you. I'm trying anyway, to twist you. So, so yes, you're want, right. You want, you're right. Do you want me to say no? Don't say anything. Well, I'm not done. Just, I'm not done. Just switch things it's, up. Do you want me to tell you where my problems are with it, so you know what you need to convince me of? You'd rather go in blind. I'd rather go in blind. I feel That's like I fine. can sell this without your your okay. help. Okay, maybe another long episode. Folks. It, is, it is very. <laughs> it is a very authentic movie, and you cannot argue this point because it is based on a real story. It really did happen. Mm. The director of the movie is the main character, Cameron Crowe. Yes, Cameron Crowe is the director of the movie, and he really did do everything that was in this movie. I mean, of course, it's a movie, so it's not like a documentary. It's not 100% exact, but to a certain extent, this is exactly what happened to him during his young life. So there is authenticity there, and that is why it takes place in the 70s, because that is really what happened. But you can feel the sense of why, you know, why he stayed, why he was interested. It, it it continuously tells you the story in a way that makes absolute sense while also being what happened. So it's very authentic, and, and you can feel that in this movie. Um, it's full of amazing actors. It is very perfectly cast and very balanced as well. Like I said, no one character, although there are major and minor characters, no one character doesn't get their fair shot at being awesome in this movie. Yeah. And and they almost like I said yeah, almost even, all have a good even quote. someone who had small roles like Anna Paquin and Zoe Deschanel they have profound impact on what happened in the story. Yes, yeah, like everybody is used a hundred percent to like he he's efficient with this storytelling. Like he tells us a story with every character that needs to be there. There is no superfluous characters in my mind. Yeah. Um, and very last thing, and I feel like this is not going to sell you on it. Although it, but I it could be it a does. bonus thing that make me pity you. <laughs> the music oh, in yeah. this movie, even the original music, the music that comes for me, the, band. the music for me makes me feel very like Fleetwood Mac, it is. CCR, folk Eagles, rock, seventies like, rock. I think they call it dad music, rock which is, now. Yeah, because dads are the ones dads that were are listening that age to it. at this point. But it yeah, is, I do agree yeah. that the soundtrack was amazing. That is actually one of the things that I enjoy about the movie. I do, yeah. I do enjoy the soundtrack, and I do if enjoy elements. Else, if nothing else, just listen oh, yeah. to the tunes. Yeah, just get the the soundtrack for the movie. Don't actually watch the movie. <laughs> that, but look, that's like, my point of view. Forrest Gump, to a certain extent, had a, like had, had an amazing soundtrack as well. But they were going through times so was a little bit different. To be fair, you don't watch Forrest Gump for the soundtrack. Big Chill has you an know, amazing soundtrack. I've not Motown. Seen, I've not seen Big Chill yet, but I do know that it is you know full the Motown of great soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah, yes. it's a Motown soundtrack. Yeah. And what that did for Motown, I feel, is like what this did for 70s rock. It has, it has like, Elton John. It has Cat Stevens. All you're thinking about is a tiny dancer bus uh, scene right now, I can tell. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great <laughs> scene. Uh, I mean, it has Led Zeppelin. Like, if you were 
of, a, of that type of genre in the 70s. It has something of that nature in it. And they, there's even a scene where they're walking through a corridor where they kind of do these shout outs to, I, I mean, it's obviously not them, but it, actors pretending to be the young versions that would have existed in the 70s of all these different people up and coming. Yeah. They, like they have a fake Bowie, for example, and, and things yeah. like that. And it, 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 it all it, lends it, to the heart and the feel of the movie. Yeah, well, it's grounded in reality, it's a tone but it's mood. also very thematic with yeah. what it wants to yeah. put forth. It, it, and it's, it's like a, a fish out of water story, but at the same time, you like to go swimming. Yeah. That, that is the, the kind of Just story. Just put on, put on some floaties, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Turbulent waters ahead. Put on some floaties. Yeah. <laughs> so, for me... I enjoy Almost Famous. I don't enjoy it very much because you know I'm- Would you say that I've twisted you? Not really. <sighs> Not yet at least because I'm gonna say- You said you like it. I, I, I do like it. I feel very mediocre about it though and you know how I feel about movies. I either love something or I hate something. And, and I you feel like this, and this I is middle like of the road. Feeling in the middle for me is, is a win. not very good. It's a win! Because it's I, a win, people! You know, I heard a win! <laughs> I heard Do you, you want to hear what I don't okay, like about fine. it first? What don't you like about it? Let me see if I can fix it. It's way too long. Why is that movie, as long as it is, when you, you watch, could cut so okay. many scenes from that movie and get the same message from it? So, so that I'm, movie doesn't have to be like two and a half. It's like wait, three, wait, wait, three wait, wait, hours. Wait, 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 wait. What version of the movie have you watched? The full version that, because the I Blu got the Blu-ray, you have it too. I have the Blu-ray, okay. With the extra 20 minutes of stuff. It's not 20 minutes. It's like an extra, it's, a, it's a f almost four hours long. Yeah. If you watch is, the Blu-ray uncut edition. Yes. Is that the only version you've seen? I don't know any other version. <gasps> so that that explains so, a, so a that's, lot. That is my problem. My problem is I watch the Titanic instead of watching just Jack and you, Rose. Is that yeah. what you're telling me? <laughs> yes. You okay? I <coughs> I watched the cut theatrical version. That, that version wasn't around for when I got the movie. My, I gave my version to mom. So yeah, I think mom. She might mom have has that. the version that I might that's, enjoy more yeah. because I don't have if to deal with the problem, extra. If that's your problem, hold on. If that's, that's your problem, you actually do like It's the one movie. of my many problems. Okay. One, it's too long for the version that I've seen, but maybe that okay. could be adjusted. I personally okay. think fixed. I think some Next. of the I think some of the best scenes in it are near the beginning, basically. I think that the Christmas scene at the start when they write Xmas <laughs> and she just gives a verbal beating to the guy, I think that's hilarious. I love the kid that plays the young version of him. I would adopt him in a hot minute and just take him home. He is so cute. Um, and I also think the Tiny Dancer scene on the bus is just kind of a feel-good moment yeah. in a movie that feels very roller coaster, leaning towards downhill crap. I feel like that bus scene is kind of like a breath of fresh air in it. I yeah. do appreciate that scene. And I do think that Zoe Deschanel being an amazing sister for me is a personal highlight because I do think... So you're front-loaded with the movie. That, I, you like the fa family dynamic more than when he leaves the family. Because, because I don't think it's a good experience. I don't think he had a good time and I don't think the man had a good time. And I think that... Kate, um, sorry. Okay, I'm gonna Billy, make an argument. And hold on. I, I, Billy Crudup's character. I just want to get my points out, and then you can just Billy Crudup. Just so you, Billy so you Crudup know, is the lead, the lead who vocalist who is basically what I think the new generation would be like. How no, Harry Styles, he's a guitarist. I'm Harry, sorry, he's Harry a Styles was like the one that people favored out of One Direction. I think that's basically what happens in this. Billy Crudup's if character. If Harry Styles didn't sing and just played the guitar and. Somehow, yeah, and yeah. somehow was still favored. Yeah, that is basically what Billy Crudup is like. He, I find, was a bit of a dickhead. I didn't like him at all. I didn't find anything redeemable in him, 
And I don't think he was a good person. I think he knew that he could play guitar, and that's all he needed to get everything he wanted out of life. So I didn't like him. And I couldn't quite un understand how Kate Hudson could love him and keep coming back to him, even though he continuously treated her like shit. He literally traded her. No, don't say, don't say. That's oh, a key moment in the movie. If he you haven't seen this movie. He literally treats her like she's a trading card, folks. Um, yes. And, and I yes. think that her character is equally as annoying for me to watch because she forgives him over and over and over she's again. She's kind of like she an abused woman. She doesn't demand that he treat her better. She doesn't... Yeah. Um, but it's, but she it, doesn't change because of is, how he's this treated This is her. part of the fact that it is a 1970s movie as well. Yeah, but I think that that's that it's so awful for me to watch it and see her not want to change or she's, get a better yeah. life out she's, of it. She's not a 1990s like uh, women liber type of character. But that's the problem for me because she poses herself that way when he meets her and she's like, yeah. "We're band aids. We're here for the band and the music. We're not here because we're you yeah. know roadies. We don't yeah. come here to sleep with them. We're we come here, here for the music because of the music." And I think yes. it's such a lie because she's not there for the music. And that's fair. That's a fair she, assessment. But her coming. But you're not liking a character doesn't mean you don't that. like the movie. But I think part of enjoying a movie is you have to like who's in it. And I did not like half of the people that were in it. And I also think it's ridiculous. When you see Billy Crudup, do you go, mm-hmm, he's yummy? You do not. And you Some don't feel that do. you do not feel that not way me. when you watch this either. Jason Lee should be the one that they are fawning <laughs> over because he's the one who can actually do shit in this yeah. band. And I don't know why, like, that's one of the big struggles between the thing is like Jason Lee. He's the actual talent, the actual genius, the actual good one. Okay. And you've got the little devil here that everyone loves. And it's just people are craving I stuff that's bad for them. I think the movie's about craving things that are bad for you. Because Kate Hudson does it with Billy Crudup. And everyone does it with Billy Crudup in it. And Jason Lee should be the one that they're like, that guy's a genius. He's the woman that we want. And he's got like a stable head on his shoulders. Can I interrupt? Because I'm going to forget. The okay, one, sure. The one thing that might... I don't think it's going to change your opinion because I feel like you're you're going further and further to the other side. Yeah. The only thing that I want to say is when you say that you don't think that it was a good experience. Him growing up was not a good experience. The family dynamic was not a good experience for him. It really affected him deeply. You can see that it did not lead to good things because for him of as how an adolescent. he is. Because of how he is when he's with them. No, no. He he. But because he of that, he's a, a voice of reason there. Hold on, hold on. He finds a sense of belonging, and they even say at one point, he says he wants to go home, and they turn to, to say to him, you are home. Yeah. And most of the interactions that he has, although, like you say, they're not 100% perfect, they do mirror, to a certain extent, the life that he had before, in that he is viewed a certain way, whether he likes it or not, and he's kind of pigeonholed by somebody else's view... And that really impacts the way everybody else views him and how he fits in and how he belongs. But the difference is I feel like he has more of a connection and more of a growth and is treated a little degree better in my, in my esteem with the group on the road than when he is at home. I feel it's different than that, though, because I feel like even though he went through a lot with them and he does have growth with them, I think because of how he was treated at home allows him to have that strength to do what he does 
after everything that goes yeah. on and they but say you need to write this article you need to expose what's happened on this trip yeah. and he feels so torn because they felt like family and he felt connected to them when he hasn't felt that yeah. connection with Frances McDormand that lack of connection means that the strength that she gave him was enough for him to actually step up and say I'm going to yeah. do the right thing no matter what happens and that is one of the things that I hated was because no God. teenager should be chilling uh. with a dysfunctional band and writing about it and then having to deal but with it did the, happen hold on it's but real then, but then having to deal with the truth of the situation if a teenager writes an article saying a band is a bunch of dickheads the band's going to come forward and say we're not dickheads you're lying and because he's a teenager they're going to believe the band who has a load of fans over a virtual nobody no one knows this kid but this is the era of watergate like people will they are more likely to believe because it's an expose only has some weight though they're you know, up-and-coming fandom is stronger than uh, the voice of a teenager. And it is. I, and, it I, is. I, and I feel like that is true now. Like, if a teenager... That's still true. If a teenager says something, they write it off. If a kid says something, they write it off. If an adult says it, they listen. And I think that that's unfair, because you only get someone like Greta Thunberg once. You get one person yeah. who makes an impact, and then you hear nothing. You It was like 10, 15 years ago, Malala was the voice. You only get it once in a generation. Yeah, that's a fair point. You don't get fair. to hear from the youth and from the people that have to deal with the crap mm -hmm. until it's way too late. Well, maybe Cameron Crowe was the voice of his generation, though. And I feel like the movie does, like, it shows it, which I do appreciate, but I also think it's ridiculous to think that a teenager should go on this trip and go through all this crap just to get back and find out, oh, yeah, they are dicks like I experienced for the months that I was with them. So really, at the end of the day, you are the Frances McDormand character, the mother character. I feel like I'm the Zoe Deschanel because she picks him up at the airport. She's there. <laughs> She's there okay. when he needed her. Fair enough. She Fair picked enough. him up. All right, so I, I, feel I, feel, like... I feel a little twisted. I'm not as relaxed as I was with Seinfeld, yeah. but I don't think that I'm going to say that I love Almost Famous anytime soon. If that and I feel, feel like better. I'm never going to... No, it doesn't. I feel like I'm never going to win any one of these. But we'll put it in the poll, and our, our question really is... You're just who, as stubborn as me. They'll find out next week when I have to do one. You'll be like, <laughs> I don't feel any different about anything. Who, who is who is right? Is, is Almost Famous amazing and a testament to the culture of the 70s? And or, fandom in general, yes, on a universal level. Or is Almost Famous playing too heavily into the cliche of a band full of strife and people just fawning over power and success in the music industry instead of valuing what's oh right my god of them. all i said was is the movie good and yeah. you just went on a diatribe about why it's not okay <laughs> so yes we'll let you the people decide almost so. famous good or not let us know <laughs> All right, all right, so that's the end for this week. Next week, tune in to listen to our special Oscars edition, which will, it'll be a little different in format, but, uh, yeah. Still just as fun for us and hopefully as fun for you. <laughs> I'm hopefully, hopefully I won't have to <laughs> twist anyone next week. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.